Do you remember the TV show Man vs. Beast? This is my favorite yeah, TV well. show ever. Well, this is where they'd goodness. have an animal compete against a human in some sort of physical contest. So there's no. a good... Sam, is oh, this another so one of your Japanese shows? No, but it's similar. <laughs> this was on American television, and it would be like a strong man versus an elephant pulling an airplane. Or like my favorite was a bear versus the world's hot dog eating champion. The hot dog guy was like, they're like, go, you have 30 seconds. He's like eating hot dogs. And, and the, the bear, bear doesn't... <laughs> The bear doesn't give a fuck. The bear does nothing until like there's three seconds left and then just takes a handful of hot dogs and eats like a thousand hot dogs and wins. Like, <laughs> that is betting, my friends. That is like, I would love to bet on that. everybody what's cooking well we are uh, <laughs> yeah Jess, what's cooking um we're we're in a slightly different time zone than you but um, you guys are like a day ahead of us i think it's like the magical good, mystery you know, that means you know what's happening in the future right yes, we won't please. say where in the world we are we'll leave the listeners to guess but we are um a solid day at least ahead of so America. what what happened? Can you tell us? Can you tell everything stopped? Does Twitter still exist or does X still exist? Well, Elon has come back and saved the world with um, a lot of AI breakthroughs in the last 24 hours. Taylor has already announced 1989 TV. Yeah, but by the time this <laughs> podcast comes out, everyone will know about that. What else happened in the last 24 hours? <laughs> Our kids think it's pretty cool that they're living in the future. Flying cars now exist. Yeah, yeah it's all good. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It's good. Well, great. I'm not sick anymore. Oh, poor Dave, but he's with us. I want everyone to appreciate the the more or less team. We are committed. No time zone, no sinus infection, no shit. I don't have a microphone and haven't brushed my hair. We'll keep us from you. So, And we're all on beaches 15 time zones away from each other. (laughs) Amazing. Technology. But with that, welcome to this week's episode of More or Less, where we talk about the important things happening in the news, the important things you haven't heard about but will, that will be happening in the news, and um, and bring a good old level of debate to them. Because uh, let's face it, the world is complicated and it's hard to form strong opinions, and yet we do anyway. So we've got the full quad here today. Mr. Sam, we finally had his last 40th birthday party lesson last night. So <laughs> officially, officially 40. <laughs> also, Sam, who just sent me an invitation to a social app like it was 10 years ago. I thought it was spam. Or, can you, or is it top secret? Lock it? Yeah. Yeah. Have oh, you been using Lock it? Lock it? We love Lock We're it. We're investors in Lock it. We love Lockett. I'm yeah. not. I was just talking Great. to the CEO. I was like, what is this thing on my phone? Yeah, Lockett is a, a great new sort of private social network that's really just about sharing photos with people you care about. Guys, I'm not even I'm not even on like cap table this thing. We're plugging it. What's going on? Well, I don't know. Well, I was gonna say we're also here with Britt and Dave, who won't miss an opportunity to plug an app, Morin, um, which we very much appreciate. We'll put you in at the last round, Sam. <laughs> just okay. suck it in there <laughs> yeah you heard it here first guys take, wait a minute was last round done last year because i don't want last year's price <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's a good point the last yeah the 2022 price. vintage will be made better <laughs> well fabulous great to have the morons here dave sorry you're under the weather but hopefully that fresh air will... my voice is a vibe but i'm feeling better it is today a vibe this is the like end of summer we're all a little beat down but got a rally for fall vibe shift with that it's a perfect time to talk about the media business because i gotta say things are getting crazy and i know we've been talking a lot this week about espn which for those of you who don't follow um every twist and turn in media and legacy media ESPN was once the crown jewel. It was like, if you could have a business model like ESPN, game over. There was no better asset in media. It was sports. It was paid. It really paid for pretty much everything that's happened at Disney in the past decade. It's an exaggeration, a few decades. But this thing is like kind of crumbling and raising a lot of issues 
about the future of media in the meantime. So we thought this was a great topic. We've got lots of thoughts. We've got some media moguls among us. And then I thought we could talk about the opposite of <laughs> the state of legacy media, which is longevity. Unrelated, but obviously longevity science is having another boom. Uh, some interesting research hot off the presses there. So yeah, that's what I got. we got cooking today. Anything I forgot, guys? We can throw in a can little bit. Can we start on of... the media thing with what the hell did David Portnoy just get his company back for free on, on our way into ESPN in terms of other sports things? Explain who that is, Sam. There are but yes. He's the Sam, guy who reviews wanna... pizza. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, he's sure. a guy who shows up in my social feed reviewing pizza and apparently sold his company to some gambling company for half a billion dollars and then he's so toxic they gave it back to him. Is that what happened? Yeah, that's okay. exactly no, what happened. He ran Barstool Sports. Still and runs Barstool, Barstool Sports, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. He's founded Barstool Sports. Um, and, you know, this was all going on in like the kind of early 2010s into the 20, you know, 15s or so. And um, Barstool, I remember, you probably remember this too, Jess, because we were building Britain Co. and the information around the same time. But um, it was it was really like a pretty successful company. It was growing really quickly. And so it, when was it acquired? I, I'm trying to look this up right now. It was acquired for $550 million. I think he like totally sold it at the right time before the whole digital media. Well, it, wasn't there like a two-step deal where he sold part of it yeah. and then the rest of it or something? Looks like that's what it was. Yeah, and he sold it to this company called Penn Entertainment. Penn Gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling company. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, believe it or not, I worked on a a weird buyout of them like a bajillion years ago when I worked at Banning Company. Oh. It's amazing. So, I mean, all in That's pretty wild. All in it was valued at $600 and that was like just earlier this year. That was February of 2023. All because Uh, of the pizza reviews. (laughs) but i'm just i think it's interesting that now basically penn entertainment is saying like hey dave you can have barstool sports back for free as long as you give us 50 percent of whatever upside if and when you ever sell it and he says he's never selling it and it's because he's so toxic that he's messing up their gambling licenses is that basically what it comes down to they the thesis for their acquisition was that they could turn barstool into a betting business, and that just couldn't happen. Like, uh, there have been, well, there's been some excellent journalism about Dave, his management style, his treatment of women. He has sued over this journalism. The courts have upheld this journalism. And, you know, readers can read it and decide for themselves what they think about the guy. But he's not a guy that a lot of um, professional endeavors or especially in a world like sports betting want to be associated with. But I think it's pretty stunning. I mean, it just, again, I think is like one of these completely false hopes of what some of these digital media brands could become and shows how off and inflated the expectations were. I think it's funny. I mean, in the broader story of entrepreneurship, there's like a non-zero number of people who end up with these like incredible deals in life because they are so toxic as humans, right? And like this founder- What are other get, examples? Because I've been searching for them today. There are many. I'm not going to get into them because I don't want to get in trouble. But I think if you look at the history of Silicon Valley, there's an interesting thing, which is like, if you're kind of crazy, but competent, you stay in the companies. If you're really crazy and get blown out of your startup that is successful early or in certain ways, there are these all these historical examples of people who end up with these huge windfalls. But that's a little bit so different, angry. right? That's like you pay your like crazy co-founder off so they like stay on their island. Like there's plenty of that. But this is different. Well, the guy's still running story, the company. Like, no, no, he I just owns think 100%. it's hundred percent. It's a similar, it's it's part of the random walk of capitalism. I'm a big fan of capitalism, but there is this random walk of capitalism where like every once in a while, like you get paid for being crazy or you get paid for being toxic. And like, this is a great example where the guy sells his company and then he's so toxic, he gets it back for free. He'll probably make a shitload of money over in the rest of his life, right? On a deal that like only happens crazy. And he gets the initial, his stake of the initial acquisition, right? No, that's I mean, the point. So it's, So it's it's one of those things where like, it's, I don't know if, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there are many examples of versions of this in Silicon Valley. And it is one of the things you kind of just accept in capitalism, which is a, it's great, but it is inefficient. And sometimes 
you know, it being a good, like if he were a nice guy or a better pizza reviewer, he would have less money. But because he's crazy, he's going to get more money. Well, but I don't know. I For anyone out there trying to adopt the Sam Lesson crazy man theory, um, it's a fine line to walk. And, you know, it, this it, this case could have easily gone the other way in terms of Portnoy being canceled and other things. So um, I would not recommend this. I also refuse to accept that, like, the biggest, most important, quote, success in digital media, not that they are, but like that this is like the model of like what works and what is noteworthy in this moment. I find that like very depressing. Um, I mean, what has worked though, Jess? Uh, (laughs) It's like, you know, focus premium subscription businesses, I would say. You're going to build a high, you are building and have built a high trust, long-term real business. I just think it's funny that there is random walk on this stuff and he is not the only example and of yes. people who just like random their way in and actually in some ways like bad person their way or bad pizza review their way into like crazy weird windfall scenarios. Right. Um, it's, you know, just part of the game. Right. I think you just accept it as part of what happens. Capitalism is say, very efficient overall, but very dirty in the details. I will say, and I agree with that that happens, but we're also seeing in private tech land, you know, the bill come due. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but SoftBank is now suing the founder of IRL uh, after the information reported its user numbers were suspect and the SEC investigated and so on. So it is a dangerous time to to walk close to the line. But yes, people absolutely Are we going to be able to do. sue SoftBank for overfunding and killing a bunch of our companies? Um, you're welcome to try that. Um, you're welcome to try that. But for um, irresponsible yeah. capital... Sam and I, I have, have a long list on that one. I have a long list of grievances against SoftBank destroying otherwise good companies by overfunding them. Yeah. Great. Wait, so bring it, let's bring it back, though, just to... Okay, so... Yes. What does any of this Sports have to do with ESPN? Okay, ESPN. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm glad you asked, Dave. There's a thread to all of this, because the second Penn got Barstool off its books, it struck a deal with ESPN for um, to power sports betting across ESPN for, like, $2 billion. ESPN bets. And it's a it's a one point five billion dollar deal over ten years with another potential five hundred million, so two billion, which I so it's fascinating. It feels like they like gave like didn't work for Dave Portney. <laughs> they like let him go, and now they're trying it again with Disney in hopes that ESPN will like help them. But Barstool Sports was not a betting business. No, but they tried to make it one. I'm confused. It is confusing, but basically, like, the second they severed their relationship with Barstool, they struck one with ESPN. And ESPN, and I, now we can shift to talking about them, um, is, like, searching for some a new act. Like, and I think that's kind of amazing. Do you guys watch Winning Time, by the way? Because this will no, is that a show come full circle. Great show. Great show. Highly Let's nice. give Winning Time. Is it on Max? What is it on? See, that's yes. the funny thing. None of us remember what it's on, but it is great. Eighty-seven percent sure it's on Max, uh, formerly known as HBO, but still known as HBO, and that isn't confusing. But it's about the LA Lakers, the history of the LA the Lakers, the rise of the Lakers, and the the, the, rise, and the, the rise of and the rise of the NBA. Um, and in the most recent episode we watched, they just introduced this crazy concept called ESPN. And the idea that people might pay the idea that people might pay for cable television to watch basketball. Crazy. And that there'd be a network devoted to it, right? That you wouldn't just wait for your like broadcast slot, but 24-7. So as someone who helped so I launched Google TV in 2010 and we met with every major cable operator and every major network, including ESPN um, and Dish and Comcast and everyone else. And everyone was effectively super cool with I mean, I say that mildly. They were okay enough with Google moving into this streaming thing, which was new. Like, no one had really done this I yet before. I think they were like, no fucking way you're going to eat our lunch, but we'll take the meeting because we want to know how you're going to eat our lunch. The thing they were, That's like, true. desperately holding on to, though, was live sports. It was like, you can't take live sports. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the one thing. People will pay for cable. They, like, need live sports. And now you fast forward over a decade later, and it's like, I just watched the Women's World Cup 
through a Fox sports app, you know, that I used a Hulu login to get into, but there were 20 (laughs) other login options. And then YouTube has now effectively taken YouTube TV as like an $80 a month bundle. So we're, but we're rebundling, like we had unbundled now we're rebundling and it feels like this isn't really going anywhere. Um, because you're getting it all ways. People will still pay for live sports. I mean, live sport, that part of the thesis, I think, is is true, right? And like you see that with like things like UFC, et cetera. And like it's getting you're getting paid for it differently. But I, I think that high-level thesis is true. The question is when you resolve it down to the economics of cable and the value of the bundle and you know exactly what we'll pay for what and how you split that all up. I think and also like what sports rights are worth in a world where people they th- people think that Amazon's going to overbid for it because it's so valuable. Like thinking about the, the, the value streaming rights relative to the actual reality of how much money you can make on them, where things get a little dicey, right? Because well, that's exactly the problem, right? So, but so subscribers are down. The peak was around 100 million. This is for ESPN. They're at 72 now. Um, still 3 billion in profit. Uh, 14 billion in revenue, but revenue is shrinking by like 6%. Can so, we unpack a little bit what's going on here? Like, is it simply that cable is declining in its share and streaming is rising and it's just an economic story? Or is there a format problem here? Well, I think, I think the economics, there is an economic problem. There could be another problem. But the economic problem, to Sam's point, is the cost of the content is, go- is getting so high, too. So, you know, your, that NBA deal, that NFL deal for ESPN is higher than ever, in part because there are new tech bidders at the table. Although that... Just they can think, go direct through Apple or direct yeah. through whoever. They all have their own. I mean, a lot of them have their own direct services, but they're also like blacked out during certain periods, right? I mean, the whole thing is just sort of taking a carving knife to the rights and trying to figure out how to keep some for themselves, but give enough to the others. Well, look, here. Here's the way I think about it. At the highest level, the question is obviously sports. There's one story, which is sports are getting more diverse, right? Like rather than just being like one platform, like there are lots and lots of sports that are niche. You watch surfing, Jess. Like there's only so many hours in the day. I'm glad you asked. I have a I have a lot of opinions on the coverage of WSL. So the point is, there's a diversity of sports in different verticals and interests. So that's part of it. Is like you can imagine a fragmentation of interest and like shifting interest. Fine. Then the question is, I'm Sam. And, and like, I'm going to watch this thing. And the differentiation of can you deliver it through an app has gone away, right? So, like, clearly, like, any of these people can distribute their own content in theory and directly just make money off their audience and figure out what their marginal pricing is and figure that out and be done. The only reason you sell it to an ESPN or whatever is if, for whatever reason, ESPN is going to pay you more than you could just make yourself, right, for some reason. And there are reasons that And also, that I think, I don't know if this is true today, but also a little bit of, like, you want ESPN's commentators to, like, give you some love and attention. Like, you want that sports center. Well, that, that might be what's changing, though, which is I think it's more yeah. important to have influencers on TikTok totally. and Instagram talking about you. So, like, probably the relative value of being carried by ESPN has gone down, Right. The tech bidder thing is interesting because there was an era where an Amazon was that people were hopeful that an Amazon or a Meta or someone would overpay for the rights for some ancillary reason. Like you pay for the sporting thing to get people on the platform and you can Yahoo monetize. Yahoo did that. Do you guys remember versus yeah, remember like that. big like football gamble? It was a disaster. I mean, I, I know they're still keeping a toe, but it's a disaster. Yeah. So basically my point is only like, let's pretend, you know, there's X people are going to pay for this thing. At this point, especially given the rise of subscriptions and people willingness to pay, you know that those people pay what a hundred bucks, fifty bucks a pop. You can do the differentiation, the curve of pricing, and figure out how much you can make directly. The only reason to carry it anywhere else is if someone can monetize those people better than you can, which would have yeah. to be because they have some thesis on getting more time spent, or they have some premium ad deal that you don't have, which doesn't really compute. So it's just, I think it's really hard to be a distributor. Right. In an era when everyone can go, their their default is they can go direct. Right. Um, You can also broaden the interest in your sport. Right. Like I am obsessed with the WSL app on my phone. I watch every major surfing competition through it. But like 
you know, if ESPN were carrying it, more people would learn about surfing. That's certainly what ESPN. That's certainly what ESPN would tell you, right? And why they should get a sweetheart deal for it. But I think the question is, is like, is that really true in the day of Instagram, et cetera? Or are you going to watch it because I don't know who like some royal watches it, right? Like. I don't know. You make it up. Someone you follow. What are you implying about my entertainment curation habits, Sam? But okay. You, I think you, there's some royal you like. I don't know. I was, I'm done. That was so 12 months ago. Get, get with it. Well, fine. Because how about this? You know who could distribute in sports? Taylor Swift. The Taylor <laughs> yeah. Swift individually. I'm so glad we brought it back to Taylor Swift. Like, let's just Tay-Tay. Thank God. Yeah, t- Taylor should be, should buy the rights with her tour to the WSL. And just these surfing backgrounds and, Put a little surfer on stage. It blows up WSL. You get them for free. That's the future. This is probably of the most the WSL has been talked on about in a podcast for a long time. So we'll just keep plugging it. But um, Dave, I want to hear from you. And then we're going to get to, okay, so what should ESPN do? Yeah. Yeah. I, this is an interesting point. <laughs> the Taylor point. What, what, why is she so great? And why is her distribution so great? She's a wonderful storyteller. And I look at what's going on right now with the NBA, for example, versus the NFL. And the NBA has such a rich story culture. They've got like amazing storytelling about every player. You know a lot about each player versus the NFL. I feel like I don't have the same kind of understanding of the story of each player. Jess, it sounds like with um, WSL, you've really latched on to some of the stories of each, uh, each of the of athletes. And yeah. I, I think that there's something, that's one of the questions I was thinking about when I was asking earlier, what's going on with format? Like, and Jess, you brought this up related to uh, Sports Center. Like, is it that the storytelling is what creates the engagement um, that Sam's talking about um, or not? And I also think back to what happened with World Series of Poker. You know, World Series of Poker was not that popular until they discovered this format where they started showing the, the hand on the screen. Um, before, uh, you know, in the middle of the game. And so the audience could be in on the, in on the tension going on in the actual room. And that blew up World Series of Poker. And when I was on the board of the U.S. ski team uh, for close to a decade, uh, I was really arguing a lot for this. You know, the way that we've filmed ski racing uh, in the Olympics for years has always been the same. It's always camera on the right-hand side following the racer down, and I was arguing a lot for we need to switch to first-person shooter um, style filming where we have a drone behind the ski race or a drone behind Lindsey Vaughn, right, following her down the mountain. You know, this kind of all came to me because when I was looking at the media mix when we were when I was on on that board, the esports world was taking off and was becoming mm. the biggest the biggest pressure on our viewership. And so, to me, like figuring out formats that are going to break through. Uh, in sport is also this other question. It's not exactly related to the distribution challenge that Sam's talking about with ESPN versus the direct, but I still think that just like in consumer apps, if you can figure out a new format, you can break through. Well, so can I, I I think those are definitely the right two points, which is storytelling and format. Two things on that. One really interesting format innovation this year is baseball got a lot better because they changed the format of baseball, right? There's like they a did. bunch of rules. What did they do? I didn't know that. They put a pitch, pitch clock, clock up and they made like the number of times you can throw, try to go to first change. They basically have sped up the game by like 30% and it's a way better game to watch now. So I do really? think format matters. Oh yeah, it's actually really fun again because baseball got too, was too slow. But here's an interesting thing about players, Dave. I think you're totally right about the, uh, the NBA being the ideal. I just looked this up. So I think it's because there aren't that many NBA players, so you can actually have personalities. Like, yeah. there's only I think about four hundred. Also, think players. it's the uniforms. I think it's the uniforms. You can't see their faces in the NFL, for example. Yeah. Well, but even baseball, I think, is the problem. It's just baseball and the NFL have too many professional players. There are too many mm. stories to watch, and like, there's too. It's too fragmented. The NBA only has four hundred and fifty pro players. Right. Which seems like a good number. Right. And so I think when you think about like if you're following the stories of humans or like what's the um, what's the the tennis the documentary that everyone loves that came out? Well, this is speaking of Breakpoint. I mean, this Breakpoint. is where like, this but the storytelling is being co-opted by the entertainment companies that are doing. So this is the question. Drive to survive. Like, so it's like yes, you think about like the, the there's the sports, the actual games or the competitions. Right. Then there's the. The supporting narrative content that both is can be sold, right, is valuable, and you want high production quality on and everything else, right? The you know the, the drive to survive, whatever that drives the sport. 
there's the Instagram accounts associated with like, there's like basically these different pieces. And I think maybe the, like, it's not clear the story of, oh, well, you go to ESPN because they have distribution and their commentators will talk about you isn't enough anymore, right? Like that's not enough distribution, but I do think packaging and thinking holistically about packaging between like the player stories, the background narratives, the actual events and doing a better job with that overall seems like a real opportunity. I think yeah, to build on sure. that too, there's an opportunity to um, create more interactivity during the game itself with the audience, whether it's the live audience in the stands or the fans at home. So I don't know if Isn't you guys... is that are, the whole point of this pen deal? I mean, betting's just a form more, of interactivity. Maybe. Yeah, betting is one yeah, way to do it. totally. <laughs> you guys watched Man vs. Wild. It's like this interactive show where this guy goes like on these crazy adventures through deserts and the Grand Canyon and all kinds of things. And you have to choose the direction he goes. Like you use your remote at this home. Is like choose your own adventure. Or you versus wild. You versus Never wild. heard of it. This is on oh linear television though. No, do you guys remember no. man versus beast? That was my favorite show ever. It's technically not linear, I guess. It's a streaming because you have to be able to interact with it and it changes the outcome. But I think it's literally just film the guy going in different directions and yeah, it's, sort of like, it's like your own adventure. Okay, he's starving, he hasn't eaten for five days, and he comes across some berries. Should he eat the berries or not eat the berries? And you're can like, you be like, continue to not eat. But <laughs> like you can't, you could do this in sports, but then it's fantasy sports. It's not real sports. <laughs> um, real well, sport. I think, like there's a, probably a version of this, but actually like, it's not like choosing which way they're dribbling the soccer ball, but it's like, which, you know, what do you think should happen next? Or like, there might be some other way to engage as a home viewer. And well, then I think also that's why stands. betting it's just betting's the easiest yeah. way. Right. Cause betting's well, where all the tension is. Yes, I think the idea that like the way you putting your skin in the game and betting and like I think this it's clearly a market and clearly a thing you can tightly couple for all those reasons. I I don't know the the telling players what to do seems pretty stupid to me. Right? Not like, telling them what to do, guessing like what that's just betting. I don't, I think there's different versions of betting though. It's like betting's like who's gonna no, score I, next. Who's, the thing I, I would always want to bet on. Do you guys remember? Just asking for betting two point that Do you remember the TV show Man vs. Beast? This is my favorite yeah. TV show ever. Well, this is where they have an animal compete against a human in some sort of physical contest. So there's no. like, Sam, is oh, this so another good. one of your Japanese shows? <laughs> no, but it's similar. This was on American television, and it would be like a strong man versus an elephant pulling an airplane. Or like my favorite was a bear versus the world's hot dog eating champion and who could eat more <laughs> hot dogs. And like, oh, so they're not like is, fighting each other. They're just each performing a, ta- a competitive task with each well, other. Well, it'd be like the thing they're best at. It was like a sprinter versus, my favorite was the man versus the guy eating hot dogs. Because the hot dog guy was like, they're like, go, you have 30 seconds. He's like eating hot dogs. And, and the, the bear, bear doesn't, the bear doesn't give a fuck. The bear does nothing until like there's three seconds left and then just takes a handful of hot dogs and eats like a thousand hot dogs and wins. Like, <laughs> that is betting. My friends, that is okay. like, I would love okay. to bet on that. So <laughs> if you were Bob Iger in ESPN, the one thing working at your company was, was starting to not work so well. Okay. You do betting. He's doing that. The other thing we know he's doing is he, they're trying to find like co-owners and going to the leagues and the yeah, leagues say, are apparently like, no, we're good. We got our own thing. Um, yeah. which shows that they really don't care about being on Sports Center, I suppose. But what it's great. Do you think it's strange that the leagues like the NBA don't operate in an equity structure where like the players have some equity in the overall success of the league itself? Like it's it seems interesting to me that like, they just get like a cash payout but no equity payout. That is anyway. interesting. I don't know. Are there some new leagues, like some of the women's soccer leagues, maybe that are trying to change that? New ones? Do they get equity? But why would the leagues offer the players equity? Because I think the players yeah, would do I... more. They're like influencers. There's like the NBA is 450. They're getting their cash influencers. If you, I could imagine. Yeah, if you were a startup league and you had no money, maybe you'd have to like. Like I could imagine a competitive league coming out and being like, "Hey, we don't have enough money to pay you, but you can have five percent and like attracting some top talent, maybe." But I think the athletes are happy to just get paid bank yeah. and the leagues have plenty of money. So there's no yeah. reason to offer them equity. For sure. I think you're right, though, Jess. I think some of these new, like, s- soccer leagues and the women's sports, like, sector some are trying to be more innovative. Well, that's because they have no are. money. Yeah, the opposite right. is what Saudi Arabia did with golf, right? It wasn't, wasn't yes. the Saudis who just were like, fuck this, we have infinity money, so we'll pay all these people, like, like literally $100 million to show up and play a round of golf. 
And that was incredibly successful because they basically, I think they just merged with the PGA, right? They basically extorted the PGA, right? With with just money, which was a brilliant move, right? And I do have to say, I think the like pattern of people being duped to think like equity is going to be worth something in the vast majority of cases is very sad. So I got very mad when like Substack tried to convince its writers to invest in Substack because then they would have a piece of Substack and it was like, just do the math, like- you're not going to make a shit ton of money in Substack. So anyway, maybe equity isn't the way to go. But, but okay. So ESPN's more trying to less, go down that more path. More or less equity for athletes. I'm less. Depends okay, on the sport. I'm less. It depends on the sport. I mean, I just think that the economics are such that they should just take the cash. <laughs> you know, take the so cash. I'm less. Yeah. Now, if the if the hot dog eating bear could have equity, we could. I'd talk. What if they get injured and then they're out? But that's what you that's what yeah insurance unions <laughs> no. i'm just trying to think of a case here okay we can move on um i mean what it just seems to me that like i don't know what espn can do honestly i mean this is just kind of the secular decline of the linear television business they like, should buy barstool sports indeed <laughs> they can take on pickleball oh my god yeah What's this I, new I one think- Sorry, say more, Dave. What do you envision for this? I bet there's ESPN pickleball. What I mean by this is whether it's pickleball or not, like what I mean to say is that they can take on new sports that need new, you know, need new storytelling, new, the same things we're talking about, new story, new formats, new athletes, tell things, you know, tell stories in new ways. Right. Like I feel like if what they're going to try to do is just keep plugging the current, you know, set of options into the same old format, not going to work. Right. Um, but if they actually start to innovate again, like invest in R and D and really try to push forward the way they tell stories, the way that they do formats, you know, renew old sports, um, you know, like Samson, I didn't know that was going on with baseball. If they could go to, you know, I don't know, soccer or, uh, you know, one of the other big sports, something international that's starting to gain traction in the United States, um, you know, then, you know, maybe they can find a new market. Right. Um, but if they're not going to do that, then they'll just continue to watch this asset decline. I, I mean, I think I think that I agree with that, Dave. And I think like that, you know, look, they're 30 for 30 is such an awesome series. But I that's love gotta it. Be old. Right. Well, they yeah. keep making them. They're just they're they're documentaries. Yeah. They're storytelling, like about it? sports. Oh, it's their sports <laughs> documentary like series. Yeah, person on this yeah, call, but, by the way. <laughs> it's so good. They're really oh, you good. Love it. They're really good. I'll send you some of them. They're awesome. I mean, sport is amazing. Sports documentaries but are. You amazing. don't watch sports. them on ESPN, do you? Because I don't think no, we get ESPN. I, okay. I I think we probably pay for ESPN six ways, and I don't know how. But like, no, I think I, we watch them on like Amazon or something. But they're still great documentaries. Someone's still getting paid on that, right? So I feel like if it was the the emerging sports network, right? Or you go and buy a bunch of leagues right and turn them around or like somehow like i think there's a lot of cool stuff you could do um but I think otherwise they're doing I, a lot of this guys i think or maybe just not with enough velocity but i think they are trying i think they just probably have to move okay. faster we make and, a bet on whether espn makes it i mean not. yeah isn't this what ryan reynolds yeah. is doing i mean there's so much this is what i'm kind of not understanding which is that there's so much interest in sports yeah. buying sports teams uh, investing in sports tech. There's like so much going on. There's like all this stuff going on with like, uh, new golf formats. Like I saw this enormous new golf format in Texas a couple weeks ago. That's like top golf on Hmm. steroids. There's like malls being taken over to become pickleball, whatever. It's like, there's so much of this going on. Padel. Um, Have you guys heard it? Is I say it right? The new pickleball. It's like squash. I think it's called Padel. Yeah. It's big outside the U.S. VRAR sports. Well, esports is interesting because esports has kind of died, right? Esports already kind of went, came, like came and went. Is that true? I think so. I think esports has been a massive disappointment. Um, In the US, it had a moment, like, maybe relative global? to the hype, but I mean, it still it's obviously still exists. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, I think esports has underperformed dramatically compared to what people were expecting. Um, doesn't mean that it's not a, a something over a long period, but I. I of all the things, I think that the ESPN 30 for 30 on esports will not be the most successful one, at least right now, is my sense. Well, now, the ESPN I I, American Ninja Warrior. 
I still think there was probably a lot of innovation in format um, that happened there. There's just like a lot of interest across all of these different areas of sport. It just comes down to what's the value of the big ones, though, right? Like, because how it breaks down, right? You could buy all the pickleball and surfing that you want, but your viewership and economics are going to be driven by the NFL, the NBA. Well, except for that, I think the problem is the NFL and the NBA are priced to perfection, right? I actually was looking at an NBA deal recently. We're not buying an NBA team or a piece of one, but I was looking at someone selling a piece of one. I was looking at the economics, and, like, they're so expensive, right? When you look at, like, what you pay – uh, per dollar, the multiple on sports teams and a lot of these, the, the the blue chip assets, it's just, they're priced to perfection. And like, there are reasons to buy them for tax reasons. Like they're very tax efficient. Like there's a bunch of really interesting reasons to buy sports teams, but like you just like anything in life, you can't buy the top of the market and make money. Like if ESPN has a $3 billion cash flow right now, it's a declining business. It's a cash cow. It's not going to last forever. They got a they $3 billion in, in profit. Sorry, profit. profit. That's, a, that's a that's a lot of pickleball over here. So the basic point is you can go buy, go go invent new sports. There's one other thing to throw into the mix here. One other thing to throw into the mix that's going on, which um, I noticed because my alma mater, um, uh, University of Colorado Boulder, hired Deion Sanders as our head head coach, and one of the big reasons that this happened is this new name and likeness uh, yeah. rule that went into play in the NCAA. And so in the NCAA, you've now got real economics in the game for players, and you've got the same kind of storytelling going on. It's actually much more social media centric. Can you explain, um, Dave, what the change was? Yeah, I actually don't know the, the exact particulars, but effectively, um, uh, there was a big rule change. It was either one or two years ago where athletes in the NCAA can now sign name and likeness contracts with Nike or Converse mm-hmm. or whatever, whereas before you couldn't do that. Um, And this is radically kind of changing the landscape of how the NCAA sort of shows up in this whole equation. So when Boulder hired Deion Sanders, it's caused this enormous um, new sort of surge of energy around the Boulder football program. And they also changed the way that trading works in the NCAA. So there's a, um, you know, a transfer portal. They do all this stuff. And so Boulder was able to recruit like an enormous number of high quality players very quickly. These players have real name and likeness contracts with, you know, like very real advertisers effectively. And I believe ESPN is actually carrying the first uh, or or the entire Boulder season um, because of Deion Sanders. And so you've kind of got a little bit of what we're talking about at play here. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh, just, I mean, Things are getting more fragmented, and it's going to be. I think ESPN exists, but it's just not nearly as profitable. You know, sorry, my last thing here. You know, Top Golf. Um, have you guys played Top Golf? I am not, but I am familiar with it. Yes. But okay. All right, so well, when you guys are back in the Bay, we're going to go in San a, Jose. Yeah, and then we'll do a pod at the same time. But okay, it's this live golf thing um, on a relatively low, like real estate, you know, plot of land, and it they sold it for two billion dollars to Callaway few years ago. I think like what's interesting is there's, it's like a tech live, live sports meets tech, you know, for entertainment's sake. And I'm curious why Disney hasn't done more with ESPN in this regard, like ESPN mm. land or like, like ESPN. Well, they are. Tiger Woods is doing yeah, it. I totally. love it. It's your IRL formula. Yeah. Because the world, let's just, yeah, go back to my theory of like the world wants more IRL, wants more. Tiger Woods is doing this. They're doing a, it's like with ESPN. Yeah, they are. They're doing a three hole. Uh, it's in, it's in like chase center. It's a, it's like a three hole. You guys were so into golf. I just got to say that. Yeah. It's, it's like a three hole chase center thing where they do effectively. It's like an exhibition where you've got Tiger Woods and Greg Norman, whatever, like three, three or 10 of the best players ever. And they're doing, you know, uh, effectively, uh, inside of a basketball stadium experience for people, but not always on. I'm talking like a top, go- like, I don't know. Uh, is there like an, well, interesting- there's also, there's a high end mini golf thing that's come out. Like people are messing around with a bunch of concepts around this. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, Disney does have a theme parks business. Right. That's what it's I'm saying. Greg, like, cousin Greg, not, man, the whole time it's cousin Greg. One of Lamb. their most profitable business units. If maybe they should add on some like ESPN land action. Ooh. I, that actually would be really cool. I would go. Buy the Disney. cheap sports and lots of betting. 
and yeah. uh, you too can maintain and better docu- and more documentaries. We like the documentaries. Yeah, way better storytelling. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what Disney can do best, right? Like bring the storytelling, like turn the players into characters. Yeah. Say so, okay. Well, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch, and there's going to be so much like business Guys, drama a- with private equity circling. This is not our I- finest work. This is not going to work for ESPN. They're fucked. You think they're fucked? <laughs> Bob, take it or leave it. Just tell us what you think. Send us a DM. Sell it, sell it to Penn National Games. Penn, sell it to Penn right now. And then do some crazy shit. They'll give it back to you for free. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. Good yeah, idea. That's exactly what you have to do. And then um, it's even more, for those who love the drama of it, it, Bob has actually hired two people he pushed out of the company as consultants to help him figure out this problem. Uh, Kevin Mayer and Tom Perfect. Stack. Those people so. can be crazy. Can do cra- sounds like they're crazy people. Those people can do the crazy shit to get it back from. No, free. no, he didn't push them out because they were crazy. They're actually not crazy. They're like known for their slide decks and being very rational. But um, just expect more headlines in this area. See more headlines. Okay, let's switch gears again from the opposite of this to uh, things that last forever. So. Britt, as our wellness, health, and science expert on the pod, would you Whoa, like to get us? Heavy time. Before we go, guys, I actually, I'm going to drop because I do sailing, different niche sport. So I'm going to say enjoy longevity. I'm pro longevity. Sending love, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> okay. Okay, Britt, give us the latest. Okay. Um, this can be quick, but I just think it's interesting. We, we learned a lot of this in our, in our back channel, but you know, everyone's talking about Ozempic and we go and all the weight loss drugs. And there was a new, um, paper that came out that actually, uh, proved that there is a reduction of heart attack and stroke risk by 20% for those that have used Ozempic, which is, pretty insane. Also over Yeah, and the end was really large too. The trial was 17,604 adults age 45 years or older. And these were people with overweight or obesity um, and established cardiovas- cardiovascular disease uh, with no prior history of diabetes. So it is important to uh, note that these are these are people who are suffering with uh, these things. These are not just your normal normal healthy people. Yeah, it just makes me believe that um, whether you're using Ozempic for obesity or some people are are using it as like a super drug to fine tune themselves, like there is that's like twenty percent is a large outcome for you know things like cardiovascular health, um, which is one of the number one killers, just, of course. don't we, like, not know? I mean, so there is, since the, I have arrived in Silicon Valley, there's been some miracle drug that wealthy people have started taking, not for the intended medical use, but for something else. And, I mean, I'm not, don't have a really strong opinion on whether it's good or bad. I think it's dangerous when it gets to sort of like super hypey levels and and people maybe aren't being very thoughtful about it. But like, I just, I look at this stuff and it's like, even if we have these studies, we have no long-term benefits or studies on this stuff. And like, it just seems highly risky to me, I got to say, highly risky. I think what you're comparing it to though is the risk. Okay. So yes, we only have a few years. Um, but like for some people, they're like have a few years as well because they're so overweight. That's totally different though. But I I mean, I think, and I'm not also a five year study. Yes. I mean, this isn't a trivial study. Five years. Like what happens when you have healthy people? I'm talking specifically about healthy people. When you have healthy people taking this, um, and in in Ozempic is just kind of the latest, right? There's a long, you could go through like there was metformin, there was you know it was basically it would come up at every you know conference I went to for a decade, and I would just sit there saying, yeah, sure, okay, sounds interesting. And then Can like but every new drug lifespan like, is longer yeah. than yeah, but they're not being used. Like these drugs are approved for a very specific thing. I'm not, yeah, I'm not I mean, totally, I, like, I don't want to throw cold water on it. I think like longevity science, big picture is really interesting. It just feels very treacherous, honestly. And, and I think, especially if you're starting to do. A, well, yes. To um, me, it's like, this is a breakthrough. I mean, this is an absolute blockbuster for 
obesity in America and the world, right? Like sure, and for people with really real heart conditions. But I think a lot of our audience on this pod, maybe some people like that, but it's also a lot of other people who are really into as they should be, like want to improve their lifespan, like all things that are admirable. But like, I think we just have to be very cautious and. I, you know, I recently just was searching for a new primary care doctor in Silicon Valley. Strange. No one sees primary care doctors anymore. And it was funny interviewing them all because like half of uh, half of them just automatically was like, oh, yeah, and I could get you, you know, Ozempic for this or whatever. Really? Yeah, totally. And they started listing off all these drugs. And then the other half. We're like, Just, I am not your doctor for this. that needs Ozempic, by the way. No, no, yeah. not to lose weight, but because, or not to lose weight, but for like, again, there is this trend now of sort of looking like at them market. for these other benefits, right? And and um, and so, yeah, absolutely. For for people who suffer from chronic conditions, especially heart disease, obesity, you know, where we, where we know like the clear, you know, problems, that's one thing, but I, I just, I'm not, I'm not there yet for like the jumping what, into How many years would you this. be more comfortable with it? 10, 20? I'd want to see generations <laughs> pass. I'd want to see what happens <laughs> to people's kids that they, you know, if they got babies, I mean, I, that's a little bit silly. I know we understand like the mechanisms of these drugs and like they're not going to give us like mutant legs or something, but um, I just think we're going to see a lot more of this in the next ten years because of the way that AI is potentially going to be. You know, you know what I'm a big well, favor of? I'm in favor of like zone two exercise. How about that for improving lifespan? You know, I mean, oh, what does zone two mean? Just like a it's where your heart. It's it's a targeting oh. a cardiovascular zone, right? Oh, where it's sort of like more a breathless balance. walk. We yeah, have to yeah, give yeah, yeah. Um, Peter Adia the credit for this. Um, but I think there's a lot for people who really feel motivated to go down this path. Like there's a lot we can do. Um, uh, there's a real science around, you know, and I just don't think people should see these studies and healthy people and then like jump into them is what I would say. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting, I guess um, all of your opinions here are valid. Um, but I, I also think that, um, the, the fact that these drugs are also helping people with OCD, they're helping people reduce their dependence on alcohol and sugar. Um, there's clear mental health effects here too, which seem very positive, um, that are yet to be fully studied, but it seems pretty clear, at least in these early stages that this, this is as much a mental health drug as it is a obesity drug. Well, that, yeah, and that's something that should be studied and then it should be administered for for those reasons, right? That sounds like a really legitimate benefit, right? I but mean, I, um, your question is like the pinnacle question of all kinds of new health drugs. And I mean, even like cigarettes back in the day, everyone thought were healthy. Like they were, you were able to market cigarettes to children back in like the earliest is days. Is that a question or is your question like, more just like, why do Silicon Valley people jump on these things? No, and try to I think forever? what she's saying is like, we don't have proof that this isn't going to harm you for, for like many decades. And like, I don't feel comfortable doing this as a normal, healthy person. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. And, I definitely don't feel comfortable. But like, I'm just, I'm stating the fact that like a lot of the world will jump onto these things and maybe won't know like cigarettes. It's like, oh, you actually get cancer. Well, it's um, way too expensive right now for that to be a case. It's like, going to drop, right, I think, substantially in the next five years. Like, that has to, both with competitive pressure and then, you know, advances. I think it's fascinating health. that it's $1,200 per dose um, in the United States. And this something is like Ozempic? Yeah, it's like something like really? $100. It's crazy. Yeah, it's $1,200 a month. It's $100 a month in Mexico. So the American health system is causing a 90% markup. Um, which well, is that's crazy. A, yeah, no, that's a problem too. I'm all for like, obviously the advancement of science and medicine to treat, you know, conditions. I just think the, the sort of, and there's Brett, to your point, there's risk in that, right? Like, yes, you, but if you have a, if there's a compelling reason to try something because of a condition, I think that risk makes sense. I think just jumping on to like every cocktail, 
Um, right. And all I'm saying is like, isn't repeats itself. And so a lot of the healthy people will just like they jumped into cigarettes and then they'll realize maybe later it wasn't the best thing, but the short term impact was, was great for them. Um, and so I, I agree with you. Like I'm not rushing to get Ozempic, um, myself, but I think that for those who have a chronic condition, it, it is probably going to be a big game changer. And for the world, especially as prices drop, like I can't imagine like, 10 years from now, if like, you know, the obesity problem in the world is at least even halved at that point, like it's going to be really dramatic. This stuff is important to watch. And I think we'll see a lot of it. And that's like, which is good. We want this advancement, but that's why we always, we have to be careful of like the latest fad. Um, and that, that would be my my Surgeon General like warning, along with the <laughs> obvious disclaimer that none of us know what we're talking about. So don't, when it comes to We'll right, we are not things, doctors, but certainly um, this topic. So I feel like less Spotify put something on our pod here. We're on agreement here. Like, <laughs> if you're healthy, maybe wait a little bit um, to try this stuff out. Um, if you are in need of it, it's probably more up your alley. Yeah, more drugs for people who need them, less more drugs for or yeah. fewer. But it doesn't, you know, for people who don't. It's very simple, and just more like walk uphill a lot. I mean. I think that's a great, that would be my go, go outside, find a hill, just keep walking. Um, excellent. Well, guys, I think we solved some major problems this week. Um, okay. I got to say, and, and I can say this because he's off, but I, I got to, we got to keep saying, he's the only one who ever bounces on these pods. Yeah, like, what's wrong? He's just up. so I mean, busy um, that Sam we, yeah, can't fit a sailing Last time it was his tennis so lesson. So busy with his sailing and now his tennis. Now it's a sailing lesson. We can shit on him since he's gone, right? Like, this is the part totally. where we And I do, uh-huh. and I will briefly defend, he's sailing with his grandfather and our sons, who's our son's great-grandfather. So That's he has fair. a vision for four generations of sailing. Um, but before the pod, I said, Sam, we can push dinner back, do the sail after the pod. So he does not listen. And for that, you guys should give him some grief on Twitter, on X. threads. X. You know, unfollow him on Twitter. That would drive him crazy. Yes, <laughs> you can't say Twitter anymore. Yes, you You're can. Right. I, like, I, I don't. But you guys, you knew what I meant. You knew what yeah. I meant. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you guys get back to um, the fun that you're having. And um, I hope the future remains good. A couple more, one more week on the road for us, and then we'll, we'll be back in the same time zone. We'll have our yes. fancy mic setups. And we'll go do um, top golf. Yeah, Top Golf. I was going to say we should have a business meeting, guys. We haven't had a business meeting. That would probably be a Let's good, good for the agenda. Um, nice. But yes, as always, a thank you to all you guys for, and girls for listening, and ladies and women and um, for the pod, we love, um, getting to, uh, chat with you every week. We love the feedback, big thanks to the back channel and, uh, yeah, we'll be here next week. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a virtual high five by rating it and reviewing it on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find more information about each episode in the show notes and follow us on social media by searching for at more or less at Dave Morin at lesson at J lesson. And as for me, I'm at Brit. See you guys next time.